The following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. I don't think I've ever prayed this prayer, but I'm praying today that in this moment, the Holy Spirit would captivate us with His anointing. That He would reach around this congregation from me to the balcony, to the sides, to the back, to those in the connection, to those watching online. And if these few moments that we have together, that the Holy Spirit would kind of put us in a, under the influence of the spirit of wisdom and revelation and would pull every stronghold and thought captive that's trying to keep us from moving with the Lord and let this word come forth today in our spirits we must heed the voice of the Holy Ghost The prophets have come and the Holy Spirit has spoken to us as a congregation. It's harvest time. Don't say it's four months. It's now. So touch three people say, we're talking about right now. As if we're not able to hear what God wants to say to us, and he wants to make sure we hear it, God apprehended a preacher in his prayer closet that I hadn't seen in 26 years, and Bishop Tony Miller, and had him send me a message that I showed you that the church had reached a critical mass and a tipping point to where God was ready to move in our church, our lives, and our region, if that wasn't enough, sent one of our faithful leaders with a prophetic gift into the same service that was a glass bowl with a message from the Lord attached to it to say it's the tipping point. This bowl represents the tipping point. And so we know the Holy Spirit is speaking to us that we are on the verge, we are at the precipice, at the edge, where all things that need to be aligned have come to an alignment so that we can step into a move of the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our families, in this church, and in our region. So then the prophet came and said, 2019 is the year that we plow through. We plow through, we, we plow into what God has called us into. I'm learning this about the Lord. When the Lord gives you a promise or when the Lord gives you a prophetic word, that is designed to show you the landscape of what He wants to do and the geographical territory that the Holy Spirit wants you to see so that you can enter into it by faith. And discover what God has made available. A lot of us miss it because we think God said it, so God's just going to do it. But actually, God saying it is not God doing it. God saying it is just giving us a perspective, a viewpoint of what He wants to do, so now we, by faith, can step into it and see it fully manifested in the earth and see what God wants to do. God has prophesied that this would be the place of the double portion. So whatever it is, and however good it is, it's supposed to be double. Chuchik's neighbor say, I'm glad to be in this place if it's the place of the double portion. The Lord spoke to the prophets saying, 2019 was the year... To plow, plow through, plow up, prepare for the harvest. 
Interesting, I was studying the scriptures, 1 Kings 19, 19. Says Elisha was plowing and Elijah threw his mantle on him. Interesting that 2019 would be the year to plow and the prophets in the scriptures, 1 Kings 19, 19. Is Elisha plowing when he receives the mantle of Elijah? This really spoke to me that God only puts his spirit on those who are plowing. Touch two people, say, put your hand to the plow. Tell them, put your hand to the plow. (laughs) And so here's the scripture the Lord gave me for today. Hosea 10 and 12. Sow for yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness upon you. Break up your fallow ground. Now I understood what sowing meant. I understood what reaping means. I understood righteousness and mercy, and I even understand God reigning in His blessings. But I didn't understand fallow ground. Fallow ground is actually ground that has been plowed, but it's actually been laying idle or set aside and not cultivated or sown. And in the old agricultural days, they would do this so the land could rest. Weeds and insects could be taken away from it or, or, or dissolved, and then the nutrients restored so it could be cultivated again. But often what would happen in the process, because it was laid idle, it was forgotten. And so since the field wasn't cultivated, the farmer would walk over that field to get to the new field he was plowing. And by walking over it back and forth over the fallowed ground, it became a path and they forgot about it and they just went on to farm other lands. And that land sat there, plowed, once fruitful. Once bearing produce, but now it's fallow or or laying idle. Unproductive and undisturbed. Unproductive and undisturbed, yet valuable. See, I believe the Holy Ghost is saying there's people in the body of Christ at this point. You're unproductive and undisturbed. But you're very valuable. You say, how valuable I am. Matthew 13 says that Jesus, when he saw the field and the treasure hidden in it, for joy over it, he sells all that he has and buys the field. You see, the cross wasn't just about getting us out of our sin. It wasn't just about getting us to heaven. It was to buy the potential of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us so we could be productive kingdom citizens and that heaven could flow through our lives to others and bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. But we're fallow at times. Unproductive and undisturbed. Jesus spoke about it as well in Matthew 13, where he, because fallow ground can be hard ground. Jesus spoke about that in the parables when you read about the sower of the seed, that actually fallow ground can become hard ground. It says hard ground is those that hear the word. Remember, we saw about the ears earlier, but because they don't understand, Their hearts have become hard. They don't receive the word and immediately the enemy steals it away. So even though valuable, even though everything's in us that we need, because our hearts get hardened normally through blessings and disobedience. Because when a fallow ground gets Rain and sunshine, rain and sunshine, rain and sunshine, and isn't cultivated, the sun just bakes it and makes it harder and harder and harder. 
So many of us, especially in the Western church, because of the blessings that we enjoy, we don't even feel like we even really need Jesus like we need to need Jesus because of the blessings that we're living in, and we don't really know how desperate we should be for God to plow our hearts once again and cause us to be fruitful kingdom citizens. Rocky ground, Jesus talked about. He said, these are folks that receive the word with great joy. But because it's shallow and there's no root system, that as soon as persecution or trouble comes, the seed is moved away from their life. They give up easy. See, I believe a lot of us are shallow as fallow ground. We don't have roots that dig deep down. We don't allow God to plow. We allow God to plow the surface. But we don't allow God to get in there and plow deep and uproot those things that would try to get rid of that word that God put in us. Hence, we have no depth in us because we've never allowed the plow to go deep enough into our souls and our spirits to establish us on the rock so that when the storms come and the, and the winds blow, we are not moved because we are rooted and grounded in God. Most of us just know enough about God to be dangerous. To ourselves and others. We don't allow that word to work and get deep in us. What was the guy, the, uh, Mark Twain? He said, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bothers me. It's the parts I do understand that bothers me. Because it's the parts that I do understand that I've not allowed to get down in me and bring about the harvest that God wants to bring me. Then the last kind of ground Jesus talked about when he was talking about soil, he, he said there's other soil and it's, it's consumed with thorns. And he said this is simply the seed gets sown and, it, and it's put, and that's a great scripture, but I love Isaiah. He gets plugged, the seed gets plugged in and sown but it actually says because of the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes the very life of what God wants to do out of us. And so our culture allows us, we've got smartphones and technology that we're supposed to have more time than ever and we have less time than ever. Because our culture wants to busy us so much with so many things and trouble us and worry us with so many things that we don't even have time for what God wants to do. We give ourselves to family, football, fun, fellowship, and all these other things and don't really set our hearts on eternal things. I have nothing wrong with football, fun, family, and everything else, but it ain't first in my life. God's going to have to be first in my life if I'm going to be a fruitful kingdom citizen. I'm going to have to be inconvenienced a little bit. I'm going to have to care about the things God cares about. Thank God for so many great churches popping up that's making it convenient. I'm all about people having convenient places to worship and convenient times of worship, but not at the point of excluding what God really wants to do, which is sit down on His people and cultivate their hearts by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and cause us to be fruitful citizens in the kingdom. It's time to replow or cultivate our hearts for God's purposes. Now, there's several reasons I don't have listed on my notes, but just thinking of why people lay fallow. Some, it was just God that just set us aside. I know here at our church, God just set us aside for a while. Let you have church, let people be saved, be blessed, but not really moving the way God wanted to move because he just set us aside. Because sometimes you just got to be set aside a while and not worry so much about your fruit and just let God work on you. He wants to get rid of the weeds and the insects. But if you don't recognize the season, 
See, that season's not an eternal season. That's a temporary season. And if you don't recognize when God's shifting, you'll keep laying, remaining idle. And God's saying, it ain't idle time. It's time to put your hand to the plow and turn up the fallow ground and see the Spirit of God move. Some of us get hurt, disappointed, and we get laid aside. We lay ourselves aside. And I understand that. You You just don't want to deal with it. You just don't want to deal with Christians. Unfortunately, church would be great without people. What? Huh? But people make church a very awkward place. Because we hurt each other and we disappoint each other. And somehow in God's sovereignty, it seems like he allows that for our own personal growth. But sometimes we let that set us aside. We have many things. We get complacent. We get satisfied. We get, we drift. And all of a sudden we find ourselves fallow, unproductive, not bothered, but valuable. Dr. Patio prophesied before she went to be with the Lord everything you need is in the house. I love having outside guests come in. I love having prophets and apostles come to our house. I love having a different anointings manifest here. But I'm going to tell you what, they're not what's valuable to us. What's valuable to us is who's sitting in these red chairs this morning who have the gift and the calling and the anointing on the inside of them. Won't you touch four or five people say, you got good stuff on the inside of you. What does it look like when we allow God to start plowing us? What does it feel like? What does it look like? Number one, it shakes us up. Stirs us. Moves us. Bothers us. When's when's, when's the last time we got bothered? You say, what do you mean? When's the last time you got around somebody and their relationship with God was so powerful and so fruitful and so real that you got bothered by that? It bothers me that you've got that kind of relationship and I've got access to it and I don't have it. It bothers me. But see, we don't like to be bothered. But that's bothering to me. To get around somebody that's got a lot of God and know that they got it the way everybody else gets it, drawn out of me and I'll draw out of you and I'm walking without it and they've got it. That's, if I'm being plowed, if I'm fallow, I don't care. But if I'm being plowed, that begins to bother me. I got bothered Friday night. I went to a Methodist church in Moody. Couldn't get in the place. You couldn't get a seat. Standing along the walls. Methodist church. You couldn't get in the place. Young people, old people, kids. Thirsty. Hungry. Friday night, there was more people at that church than there was at the new bowling alley. And it's awesome. Hungry, Methodist, who just got filled with, their pastor just got filled with the Holy Ghost. On fire. New, exciting, precious, valuing the Holy Ghost and what he had done and the newness of it that they didn't know what was available, that they had been cheated through religion and tradition and all of a sudden they realized there's something that's real about this and they gotten a hold of it and you can't get in the place. 
big pool of water baptism set up. People getting in it and just floating. <laughs> Methodists getting in the water. Demons coming out. Power of God coming over them. Testifying of eczema being healed in the tank. Cancer being healed when they got baptized. Deliverance coming as they got baptized. I'm talking about on fire. Friday night, Methodist church. Packed, can't get in. Fighting for seats. People sitting in the lobby. People that looks like they just got saved. You know that person? Huh? You know that person? They're outside smoking a cigarette and they come in. You know, they, they keep some cologne and a little mint when they smoke that cigarette. Come on, Jesus. That kind of people were there. You could tell. Newly saved. Newly filled. Not all cleaned up yet, but didn't care. Hungry people, thirsty people, people who want more of God. I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good and I want some more. That bothered me. It bothered me to see that kind of zeal and fire. I think I may have lost some of it. That bothered me to know that we used to walk like that as a church. When we started 20 years ago, you couldn't get in this place. This place was filled with people that nobody else wanted. And we were, you call a meeting on Thursday, Tuesday, Monday, it didn't matter. We're packed. Want more, God. Now, some meetings we have, we have to mark it. Have to have so have to gear up social media. Sometimes it takes an email, social media, and a text. Come on. That starts bothering me. I get bothered when I get around people who are sold out. And I know I'm old, and I know I'm sold out this much. But I want to be all the way sold out. When I'm fallow, it don't bother me. But when I'm getting plowed, I start getting bothered by this kind of stuff. They till the ground up when, when they start plowing. That's brokenness. That's conviction. When's the last time we actually sat in a service and fell under conviction? See, I'm not, look, you know me. I'm a grace guy. That grace is my message. Grace is my life. But that doesn't mean that we can just sit and ignore the grace of God when the Holy Ghost is moving. Grace is what God did. Repentance and obedience is what I do. Because of God's grace. When's the last time we got broken over our attitude? It just broke us because we know what we're doing is wrong. We know our attitude's terrible towards somebody or toward, but we're not we're not we're not broken by it. We're not disturbed that we we're that way. If I'm fallow, it doesn't bother me. But if I'm getting plowed, it starts doing something on the inside of me. 
Sometimes we need to get broken over our behavior. Like Jacob, who, y'all know Jacob, deceiver, made many, many mistakes. But God's hand was on him. And he got to the place that he was so determined to break out of that old cycle of behavior that it says he wrestled with God. And he said, I'm not going to let go till you bless me. I'm not going to let go until you change me. I'm not going to keep living in these cycles of defeat and behavior that keep me and my family out of the will of God and out of the purposes of God. I'm so being plowed by the Lord right now, I feel a brokenness over my behavior. I'm so broken over it, I don't even care if I'm right anymore. I just won't be blessed. Most families are one decision away from reconciliation. And that's when somebody stands up and says, I don't care if I'm right. I don't care if I'm right anymore. I'll take total responsibility for the whole shooting match. I'll say I own every bit of it. So who don't, nobody needs to forgive anybody. I own 100%. No matter who said what, who done what, I own 100% now. Let's lay it down and let's go after God and let's find His purposes and plans in our life. Some marriages need to sit up and say, I don't care what you did or he did or she said, let's just lay it down. Let's break, be broken over it, and let's move on into the purposes and plans of God for our life and our family. If you followed, it doesn't bother you. I heard testimony of this Christmas from somebody close to me in a family gathering in an awkward time. Around Thanksgiving or Christmas, one bold soul said, I need to say something to my whole family. He said, I'm broken over my sin. And I got to get right with God. Shook the whole family by one bold soul getting plowed by the Holy Ghost and saying, I'm not going to keep coming to Thanksgiving and Christmas and have our family separated and divided. I'm saying I want to get right with God and I want my whole family to get right with God. God loves brokenness. Broken in a contrite heart, He will not despise. Then they harrow the field. It's a blade that they use to move uh, clods out of the way that keeps the seed from going in. That's when it gets personal. That's when God comes at you with a big stick and just starts beating some things, (laughs) breaking some things up. That, that That thing that keeps stopping you. The grace of God comes with a Holy Ghost harrow and just just starts beating at that thing to to get it mushed out of your life so that you can go on and not be stuck with this clod in your way of fruitfulness anymore. That obstacle, that thing, that habit, that hang-up, that that attitude, that thing that that just is keeping you from, from going on in to be just absolutely fruitful for the kingdom of God. When you get with the Holy Ghost, He starts moving in those areas of your life. When He starts plowing our lives. And then we start, when, you, when the Lord starts moving that way, you start praying breakthrough prayers. Your prayers change when God's plowing you. When you follow, you're praying, bless me, keep me, help me, provide for me. But when you start getting plowed, you start praying different. See, I know my brother's a praying man. My brother prayed me into the kingdom when I was a drug addict about to die. He quit praying fallow prayers for me. And he started praying breakthrough prayers. Lord, whatever you got to do, short the killing him, save him. Whatever you got to let him go through, let him go through it. But bring him to the kingdom. And he started something a couple weeks ago. 
He started praying those mean prayers over me again. <laughs> I know it. I feel him. He ain't told me. I know him. For a while, he's been praying, help Kent, bless Kent, keep Kent. But he ain't praying those prayers anymore. He's saying, Lord, don't give him any rest till he gets to the double portion. Lord, don't let him get, don't let him, don't let him go, let him go through whatever he's got to get to till he finally steps into that apostolic call and walks in it. Lord, don't let him just lead as a normal pastor, but Lord, give him the fire of the Holy Ghost in his belly and give him the anointing of the Most High on his life. Don't let him be satisfied with a good church, with good people, but let him move in the anointing to the next level of his life, Lord. See, I feel those prayers on me right now. And they're stirring me. They're stirring me now to pray prayers for my own family. Breakthrough prayers. So I'm praying for my own family now. Bev and I, our children, our grandchildren. I'm not praying, bless us. Keep us. I'm not saying, Lord, keep us safe. I'm saying, Lord, make us dangerous. Make us a dangerous family. We don't want to be a safe family. Fallow people want to be safe. Plowed people want to live dangerously. Lord, make us a dangerous family to the darkness of hell around here. Make, Lord, Lord, I don't want you to bless my grandchildren. Lord, I want them when they come into these meetings to get under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit of God raise up inside of them and let the fire and passion of worship consume their life. Let them dance before you. Let them worship before you. Let them run before you. Let them worship their face off in this house when they come, Lord. Raise them up to be worshiping warriors in your kingdom. I'm not praying for my sons to be blessed, prosperous. I'm saying, Lord, make them mighty men. Let their backs be like steel. Let their face be like flint. Let them be those who take hold of the kingdom of God and don't look back. Oh, God, whatever you got to trouble them with or disturb them with or shake them with, Lord, shake them into where they're standing firm on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. Let them stand firm and solid. Let them take this spiritual inheritance and let them multiply it and bring your kingdom purposes to them. These are plowing prayers. Don't let my family be satisfied that their papa's a preacher. From the least to the greatest, I want us all to know the Lord. For me and my house, I want everybody to serve the Lord. And I'm not talking about serving the Lord by showing up for church with a good smile on. I'm talking about worshiping their face off when they come to church. I'm talking about embarrassing Talking about, I want people to look at my family and say, y'all are just embarrassing. The, the way you worship and you throw yourself down before the Lord and worship your face off every time the presence of God. Y'all are just embarrassing. That's right, we're embarrassing for the kingdom and the glory of Almighty God. When I think about His goodness and what He's done for me. Woo! How can I not bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one who gave his life for me? Come in here giving God a patty cake in a right hand. That's fallow ground. I was disturbed and bothered by this Methodist church. Where they worship Jesus. I was bothered. I was bothered when I walked in and I saw their worship team 10 minutes before church laying on the ground. Oh God, move in this house tonight. 
Don't let one soul leave without being touched by the Holy Spirit. Don't let one person bound by sin leave bound. Don't let one marriage leave not healed. And the worship team is just crying out to God on their face. Oh, God, use us tonight. Don't let people see us. Don't let people see our talent. Don't let people see our gift. But sing through us, play through us, and let your glory fill this house. That bothers me. That bothers me. A.W. Tozier in his book, Paz to Ponder, wrote these words. The fallow field is smug, contented, protected from the shock of the plow and the agitation of the harrow. Such a field as it lies year after year becomes a familiar landmark for the crow and the blue jay, safe and undisturbed. It sprawls lazily in the sunshine, the picture of sleepy contentment, fruit it can never know because it's afraid of the plow and afraid of the harrow. In the direct opposite of this is the cultivated field. It's yielded itself up to the adventures of living for God. The protecting fence is open to admit the plow, and the plow has come as plows always come. Practical, cruel, businesslike, and in a hurry. Peace has been shattered by the shouting farmer and the rattle of machinery. The field's been upset, turned over, bruised and broken. But all of a sudden comes the rewards of its hard labor upon it. The seeds begin to shoot up in the daylight in the miracle of God's grace, curiously exploring the new world above. Natures and miracles always follow the plow. There are two kinds of lives, the fallow and the plow. The man of the fallow life is contented with himself and the fruit he used to bear. He doesn't want to be disturbed. He smiles in silent superiority at revivals fastings and self-searchings and all the travail of fruit bearing and anguish of advance the spirit of adventure is dead within him he's fenced himself in and by the same act he has fenced out God and God's miracles the plowed life is the life that has thrown down the protecting fences and set the plow of confession deep into the soul such a life has put away defense and forsaken the safety of death for the peril of life the plowed field, discontent, yearning, contrition, courageous obedience to the will of God. These have bruised and broken the soil till it's ready again for the seed. And as always, fruit follows the plow. Life and growth begin as God's rains down His righteousness. We live in a tough world. If the Lord's going to send harvest, He has to begin in the hearts of His people. It's time to seek God's will, not waste. God will not waste his reign on briars and thorns. We must prepare the soil if we want God to send the rain. We must uproot the attitudes and actions that cut off the word in our hearts. We must remove the obstacles that continually cause us to stumble on our journey. We need a good plowing. It's foolish for any believer to pray for blessings until they're willing to be broken and obedient. You see, we join week after week, and we have some amazing worship. Preaching's fantastic. Sometimes. Especially when we have a guest. And it's easy, if not careful, to become at ease in Zion. And so I get up here and I say, you know, we have plenty to eat. But let's fast one meal, and let's give it to the poor, 
and people aren't moved. We get up here over and over and say, you need to be empowered. God doesn't want you. You're too valuable to be sitting in a red chair all the time. You need to be empowered. Please take the next step and go to fast track so we can empower you for service to God's kingdom and God's will. And we're not moved. Month after month, engage in spiritual life and step into a house of light. Most don't want to. Why? We love darkness. Because I can sit here on Sunday and you not know my mess. But let me slip into the house with you and start eating a little bit and it's like truth serum. Next thing you know, my brokenness and my issues and my challenges. But what you don't understand is that's what qualifies me to connect with you. If you ever looked at a puzzle, they're not straight pieces. They're broken. Why? Our brokenness is supposed to fit together so we can become a mighty army for the kingdom and the purposes of God. Houses of light are not where perfect people gather together to celebrate their perfectness. It's where broken people gather together to eat a meal of communion and trust that the grace of God can get involved in our lives and change us and transform us and knit our hearts together so that the Acts 2 church could be raised up that says where the grace of God was so powerful that miracles happened, nobody lacked, and society was changed. But we're not moved by that. We take no steps of action. And here's what happens. When we sit under the anointing and keep resisting it, our hearts get hard. And everything just becomes familiar. When I was a young man, God touched me in a powerful way. 13, 14 years old, I had an encounter with God at one of our old Pentecostal church services. Boy, a hunger came in my heart, a desire to follow God. But like that soil I talked about, I, I wasn't popular at school because of that. It wasn't an easy thing. So I started letting the cares of the world take that seed out of me. And I would sit under some old Pentecostal Holy Ghost preaching and I'd be moved. I must have got saved 26 times as a teenager. <laughs> I'd get moved. I'd go to the altar and pray. Seek God. I'd go back and make lots of mistakes, but I kept getting moved. Then all of a sudden, I quit getting moved because I started resisting it. When the preacher preached and I got convicted, I didn't go to the altar. When the Lord would touch my heart, I would leave. When I got a driver's license, I'd go so my mom and dad thought I was there. And then I'd slip out the back. I started resisting it. And you know what happened? Over a matter of a couple of years, my heart became so hard that I didn't even feel conviction anymore. The Spirit of God left me and didn't bother me anymore for a decade. For a decade, I was not bothered by the Lord. It's a frightful feeling when you're no longer moved by God. It's a terrible thing to be so resistant that the Holy Spirit quits striving with you. See, it's not about being perfect. Look, I come in here every week. I've got so much sin to confess. Just like you, don't look at me like that because I know you've got the same issue. 
but I'm moved, I'm bothered by it. That's the difference. So when this worship kicks up and they start leading us into the presence of God and we start worshiping our faces off, now my heart gets opened up and I start letting those bad attitudes get out. And I, You know, that's the life that we're supposed to live. Not that we just get it perfect all the time, but what happens when we're fallow, we don't feel that anymore. We're not bothered by the vision of this house. We're not bothered by the fact that this is not a normal church. God didn't call us to do church. God called us to raise up an apostolic center to equip believers with the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work of the ministry and not only transform our city, but go to nations of the world and see nations transformed under the double portion power of the Holy Spirit. That's what God called us to do. And God gave us a vision of fast track to empower people quickly to get them involved in houses of light so we can pastor each other as a community so that we could build a strong home base so that we could step on into that calling and anointing. But some of us aren't moved by that. We're not moved by a vision of God wanting to change a world through a group of people out of Coldwater, Alabama. And we become fallow. Hebrews 3 says, don't harden your heart as in the day of... Let me just back up a minute. I just got to say this. And I'm not saying this derogatory or trying to be cute. I'm just saying it the way it is. God didn't call us to raise up a cruise ship. And so much of religion has become a cruise ship. Just get a bunch of people on board and offer a lot of activity so everybody has something to do. God didn't call us to be a cruise ship. He called us to be a battleship. He called us to be a ship with barracks where people are trained and equipped to overcome the power of darkness. We can't, a, a cruise ship does nothing about the destruction that's happening. We're just entertained. But a battleship is given weapons from heaven so that we can make a difference. Listen, I'm not just trying to tell you something to get you excited. God, there's enough Holy Ghost people in this church that we could pray the spirit of addiction out of our territory. We could actually break its power and that it's not existed anymore. There's enough Holy Ghost people in this church we could deal with poverty in our territory that there's nobody going to bed hungry. There's no child without education. The Spirit of God has taken over a place. A place that's destructive against the gates of hell. Cancer can't live among us. Mental disease can't live among us. Zion is taking its place in this city. And when people get around us, they're bothered by us. Come on. I used to think, think this, let's just be Holy Ghost, but let's be comfortable. So that people can at least feel comfortable till they get the Holy Ghost. But you know what? I've kind of changed my mind. I think when somebody walks in, I want them to be bothered by it. Like, like that place bothers me. I'm bothered. I'm bothered by the way this little guy jumps around with his guitar on Sunday. That bothers me. I'm bothered by these people that speak in tongues and radically worship God. I'm bothered by that they have 60 people smoking cigarettes on the outside and then they come in and worship their face off before the grace of God because they know God is at work on the inside. That bothers me. It bothers me that there's so many black and white people worshiping Jesus together in the same house. I want people to be bothered by us. Come on! Come on! Just keep standing. I want people to be bothered that we go off click track. And we get off course. And we sing unknown songs to the Lord. I want people to be bothered by some wild messianic Jew blowing a ram's horn. I want people to be bothered by people walking in, throwing up demons because the power of the Holy Ghost is so strong in this house.
Harden not your heart as in the day of rebellion. Today, if you will hear the voice of God, the Bible says, open your heart up to Him. I, hope, I want God to bother us about our city. I'm bothered by West Anderson. I'm bothered when I ride by there and see the crime and the violence and the devastation that that city's experienced. I'm bothered by the political climate of that city. I'm bothered that more kids are dying of heroin than anything else in these days. I'm bothered by that. I'm bothered that churches have turned away the homosexual and those that are trying to find God and judge them as if Jesus is judging those who somehow aren't like us and we've kept them away outside of the premises of the house of God because we've got such a judgmental spirit on our lives that we can't have an open heart to everybody in all walks of life so that they can find the living God in our midst. That bothers me. There's a church in Georgia. I met the pastor Friday. Dawsonville, having a revival. People waiting eight hours to be baptized. They baptized 4,000 people this year. And people waiting in a line eight hours to get baptized. met this guy Friday who delivers bread for a living. Oh boy, he bothered me. He's just his country and humble in a Methodist church. In a Methodist church, they had a guy come by with a Bible that's pouring oil out of it. They had him at the Methodist church. Yes. Yes, it's happening. And they let that go on at the Methodist church. That bothers me. And this bread delivery guy went up and he said, Do you mind if I just put my hands in that oil? And I said, I don't guess. Nobody's ever asked to do that. So he did and he said, he just wiped them off. Next day he went to work. Three people got healed when he laid his hands on them. He has to... He has to wear a tissue on the palm of his hand in his gloves that he delivers bread with because oil keeps pouring out of his hands and, he, and it saturates his glove. Just as humble. He said, I was driving my bread truck home Friday night and the Holy Ghost said, this is Methodist. Holy Ghost said, go back to the shop. I got something for you to do. He said, I whooped my truck and headed back to the shop. He said, when I got there, the owner of the company was there. He said, I walked in and I said, the Holy Ghost sent me. He said, you must be going through something nobody knows because the Holy Ghost sent me back and you're the only one here. He, the owner of that company said, what is this Jesus business? Old timer preached the gospel to him, laid that oily hand on him, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior right there at the bread shop. And he stood up and just laughed. 
<laughs> I don't know what it is. I just keep using it. Most of us would disdain something like that. We taught on prayer evangelism, blessing people, fellowshipping with them, ministering to them. But when's, when's, honestly, let's be honest, when's the last time you actually publicly prayed for somebody? When's the last time that you were more moved by the person in the wheelchair at Walmart than what people would think about you to go over there and lay your hands on them and trust God that he could heal them? When was the last time that we saw somebody suffering and we know all they needed was Jesus and we just let the fear of man keep us from telling them about him? Fallow ground. God's wanting to plow us up. Don't resist him. And I'm not going after revival. I don't want a revival. I'm not looking for a revival. I'm looking for an apostolic people that are sold out for the purposes of heaven that are going to be a plowing people that will not allow our ground to stay fallow and will be useful kingdom citizens that live in a spirit of obedience to the Lord. And then we let God plow through all of our attitudes and indifferences that are keeping us back and move us forward into his kingdom purpose. We'll taste many rivers of revival here, but we won't get stuck in them. We'll just take a stone out of them and build with them. When the joy breaks out, we won't resist it. We'll laugh with it. When the fear of the Lord breaks out, we won't resist it. We'll allow it to work in us without becoming legalistic. When the power of miracles break out, we'll embrace them and let them go as far as God wants to take them. But we won't get caught up in miracles. We'll keep our eyes on the prize. A critical mass tells me at a, we're at a critical point. And so, tradition would be, we'd have an altar call now that I'd have to answer and everybody else would. So that'd be kind of like, you know, we couldn't all get down front because I know I'd have to answer it on some level. I'm sure everybody else here has got some area that's fallow. I think the altar call I'm looking for is obedience. If you've not been concerned about the poor, take a Project 58 card out and sign up and be concerned. If you've not been to Fast Track, go straight to the Welcome Center and say, I will not be fallow ground anymore. I'm ready to be empowered. If you've not been to a House of Light or started one, go to the Welcome Center and say, look, I'm tired of being in church and not being engaged. I, I, I refuse to be a spectator any longer and be fallow ground. I want to be a useful citizen in the kingdom of God and His purposes and plans. Go out tomorrow in the power of the ecclesia with a spirit of boldness on you. And when somebody shows up at work and they got the crud and they say, man, I've been feeling bad. Say, I just happen to have some oil in my pocket. Could I pray for you? When the atmosphere gets bad at work, go in the bathroom and shut the door. And change the spiritual climate of the place. Plow through. Plow up our fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord till He rains righteousness on us. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.